in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. We have a chance of severe weather this evening. We're expecting some hail, possibly some intense winds. You can see here everyone in our area is potentially impacted by this. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tom Miller. Good morning, everyone. I'm Sally Hernandez. Meteorologist Kristen Curry is here to tell us what we could expect. Good morning. It is going to be a very conditional risk, okay. but the good news is it is going to be a good morning because we don't have to worry about this until later on today. Let me show you what's going on with this map because, uh, yes, everybody has at least the opportunity to get some rain, but also the possibility of seeing some strong to severe storms. Now, this will be a late day event. It will be very isolated, I think, in Coverage initially may be widely scattered at times, but it's all going to happen later on today. So let me get you out the door first, and then we'll dive into the details of what we can expect when it comes to your rain chances. This morning is going to be cloudy, and we could even see a couple sprinkles in the mix. An isolated shower or two possible between now and lunchtime. Cloudy skies as seen from our Lorenz and Lorenz 360 camera currently sitting in those 60s this morning. I think everybody is going to be fun without the jacket, considering we're seeing widespread mid to upper per 60s. I would maybe keep that umbrella on standby just because not only is it going to be that isolated rain chance first, but we do have a better chance of storms later on into the afternoon. So I would say it starts at 10% around 4 p.m. Then it gets up to about 30% later afternoon into the evening. So daily storm chances start today. The severe risk for today includes everybody, but I'm going to tell you right now, we have at least three chances of seeing some strong to severe storms in the seven-day forecast as these temperatures continue to climb. We'll talk more about the timing, the threats, everything you need to know before these storms start to develop later today, coming up in your first morning forecast. Thank you, Kristen. Austin City Council is meeting today and it wants to the state to make Medicare available for everyone in Texas. Members are going to consider a resolution to urge federal lawmakers to make the change. Right now, though, it is the state legislature considering two bills that would expand Medicare coverage. If Austin passes its resolution, it's going to join more than 100 other municipalities in showing support for the legislation. Meantime, Texas State University launching a new program to protect students. It's the Student Safety Escort Program starting today, goes through from Saturday uh, through the night. This is from 8 at night until 2 in the morning. You can call and request a ride. It's, it's going to be Thursday through Saturday next weekend as well. It's a partnership with Texas State University Police and student government. Students will need to present their Bobcat ID card, not just for campus. It includes a 15-mile radius designation. There is a local push to put fentanyl drug dealers behind bars for life. Hayes County filed its first murder charge tied to the recent string of fentanyl deaths. The district attorney there says an 18-year-old sold a fentanyl lace pill to a 15-year-old high school student who then died. KXAN's Brianna Hollis explains why more people could be facing charges. And will prosecute with all the gravity demanded of society that loves its children. A strong warning on a grim topic. 18 year old Jaquel Ray faces a felony murder charge for allegedly dealing the fentanyl that killed a 15 year old boy. A felony murder charge means someone died in the course of another felony being committed. In this case, that original felony is delivery of a controlled substance or marijuana to a minor. This is becoming standard. Uh, and this is not just a Hayes County thing. I mean, there, we have a, a juvenile client in Williamson County who's charged with a similar murder offense. 
Um, and so this is just what you know, society's pushback is to a, what a very dangerous drug. Defense attorney Benjamin Gergen says this case hinges on the evidence of the suspect's knowledge of fentanyl. Getting a jury to believe that this defendant knew that his conduct was capable of causing a death. You know, does an 18 year old kid really think about who's getting his end product. In a separate case, Janelle Rodriguez's 15-year-old son Noah thought he was taking a Percocet, but the pill really contained eight milligrams of fentanyl, four times the lethal dose. She had reservations about the harsh penalties for the dealer in her son's case, but now believes it's time to crack down. There needs to be an example, like if you do this in Hayes County, you're going to be held responsible. House Bill 6 would allow prosecutors to more easily charge dealers with murder. The bill is currently with a Senate committee. If we let people off. We're never going to end this. Brianna Hollis, KXAN News. So the Hayes County District Attorney says 40% of overdoses in the county just last year involved children under the age of 18. And according to the Sheriff's Office, there have been 14 fentanyl related arrests so far this year. And to be clear, we're told health experts say teenagers are not intentionally buying fentanyl. They say there is a mental health crisis among teenagers partially tied to the pandemic. And some of the young people overdosing thought they were taking something like Xanax or Percocet, but ended up taking a pill that was laced with fentanyl. The Center for Disease Control asking children across the country about their mental health in 2021 and more than 40% of boys and girls said they felt sad or hopeless within the past year. And they went on to say that they were unable to do their regular activities like schoolwork or, or sports. And a separate CDC report found 41% of teenagers who died of an overdose had evidence of mental health conditions or needed treatment. The special visit to the Texas border as federal leaders prepare for COVID era policy to end. And if you've wanted to adopt a dog, maybe you've been considering it. This could be the perfect time. Why one local shelter is saying it needs your help ASAP. Good morning, everyone. On this Thursday, May 4th, as you take another look outside to start off your morning from one of our cameras all over central Texas. Kristen is back with a check of your weather in just the next few minutes. But back to your news today, Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas is going to be in the Rio Grande Valley. He is going to preview and review the planning and response ops set in place ahead of the end of Title 42. That's, of course, the health rule enacted during the pandemic limiting border crossings. Mayorkas is going to meet with DHS workforce, local leaders, law enforcement partners. It's happening as the Texas Department of Public Safety says it plans to inspect all big rigs at Veterans International Bridge. This runs between Brownsville and Mexico. They will be checking tires, license plates, and other mechanical issues. They will not, however, be looking inside trucks for migrants or contraband. U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers handle that at the points of entry. DPS has not said, though, why it started these inspections. Meantime, back here in Austin area, the Westlake Fire Department still investigating a natural gas leak in Westlake Hills. Started around 1130 yesterday morning. Crews were out last night near Westbrook Drive and Bee Cave Road. No word on what caused this leak, but you can expect some closures in the area.
The 48th annual Pecan Street Festival is back this weekend. You can get food, do some crafts, hear some live music along 6th Street. Yeah, it's really fun. This Saturday and Sunday you can go. It's free to go if you're planning on going to the festival or even traveling near downtown this weekend. A heads up, we have some road closures in the area that you need to check out on our website. You can go to KXAN.com. Following years of turnover at local school districts, there's a new leader at Maynard ISD that says he is here to stay. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates again. How is it going to impact you? Both Longhorn tennis teams are at home this weekend to open NCAA tournament play. For the men, well, they've got the target. For the women, well, one Longhorn has her thoughts divided to say the least. I've got more on that coming up. Good morning, a live look outside, and you can see it is sort of a cloudy, foggy start to this Thursday morning as we look over downtown. Thanks for being with us here on KXAN News Today. The last few years, we've seen a lot of turnover among local school district leaders. Many tie this to the challenges that students and teachers have faced during the pandemic. Yeah, but one new district leader says he's here to stay. KXAN's Nabil Ramana spoke to Maynard ISD's new superintendent about his priorities and his vision for the school district. Inside Maynard New Tech High School, One, two, students are getting ready for summer. Is this the last project for the year? Principal Bobby Garcia there to encourage and push them to the finish line, something he's been doing for a long time. I've been in the district since 2007. But in that time, he's seen a lot of change in leadership. I can tell you that in my 16 years, the person who has led the district has changed 14 times. Garcia, though, excited to see a familiar face returning to take the lead. He's going to know in a much more intimate way the things that could potentially work and benefit our community. There are kids that are here at school and enjoying themselves. Dr. Robert Sermani took over as superintendent on May 1st. He most recently worked at Hutto ISD, where he served as an associate superintendent. In the past, he served as head of curriculum and instruction at Maynard ISD. I'm happy to move once to Maynard and to sit here as long as possible. Sermani says one of his main priorities, student success on all campuses. For example, the elementary level, we have some A-rated campuses. We have some campuses that haven't quite gotten to that A level. Maynard ISD has a top-notch robotics program, and they also offer coding classes and college credit courses. Sermani says he's fighting for more state funding to continue these courses. Part of supporting a school system from the legislature side is funding us to the amount that's needed to educate children and provide the programs and services that families are asking for. He also wants to make sure the culture around Maynard ISD is inviting to teachers. What gets people in the door is the compensation plan, but what keeps them here is how do we treat them as part of the Maynard ISD family. For now, he's meeting new faces and preparing for the next school year. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. So Ryan, he has a three-year contract. Former Superintendent Andre Spencer left the school district last December so that he can move closer to home. An animal shelter in Austin is way over capacity right now and it needs your help. The Austin Animal Center just took in 20 large dogs. It had 344 medium and large dogs when the shelter's capacity limit right now is 272. The Animal Center is asking the community to help foster these medium or large dogs for at least a month to help with the strain and space. If you are interested, you can apply online or visit them in person. And on this May the 4th, you can get the chance to foster or adopt your own Padawan, 
The Williamson <laughs> County Regional Animal Shelter is offering $4 adoptions today, also known as Star Wars Day. Yeah, the shelter says every foster saves two lives, the life of the foster dog and the life of the dog who takes their space mm. in the shelter. And you can adopt any available dog weighing over 25 pounds for just $4. The shelter says you should email, get an appointment so you don't have to wait too long. Walk-ins are always welcome from noon to six in the evening every single day. But look at all those smiling dog faces <laughs> just wanting to take them home. Even the like the the bloodhound looking dogs, you know, it's the big floppy I love ears. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. All red like Shelton. <laughs> yeah, that, right. that dog needs to find a home here in Texas. <laughs> Let me show you what's going on with our forecast because we've got cloudy skies over central Texas right now and we'll probably hold on to those clouds a little longer today compared to what we've had recently. Your temperatures look just fine. We're seeing 60s all over the map here, so it is a mild and muggy start to your day. We're on our way to the 80s this afternoon. Forecast high 85 with a 30% chance of storms and showers later this afternoon. This is going to be a conditional kind of threat here, which means there's a few things in play that that could prevent us from seeing any storms, but we need to prepare for the cap breaking, for the dry line having enough juice to push, push those storms all the way towards us. And here, I think our models are struggling, yes, but here I think is going to be our best idea of where those storms will fire and when. From now through lunchtime, nothing but a cloudy sky and a couple isolated rain showers. As we get into the later part of the afternoon, though, you'll notice isolated storms starting to pop up around 4 or 5 p.m. These are the ones to watch when they're all by themselves like that and when they're not having to compete for energy with other storms, there's potential and the likelihood that's just not going to be a plain old thunderstorm. That's going to be a strong thunderstorm at the very least, if not severe. As we get into the nighttime now, we're still watching for a few spot storms in the hill country and this complex down to the south of us that might clip our southern counties. That being said, this is only one model's interpretation of what could play out. Everybody is underneath that two out of five risks. So it's possible we see a couple isolated storms out east over the Austin Metro in addition to the hill country. So I want everybody to be prepared for isolated to widely scattered severe storms that have the potential to bring some large to very large hail, egg size or bigger, specifically out in the hill country, like I said, when they're all by themselves, and then the damaging wind threat as well. Very low tornado threat with this event and very low flooding threat too. But this is day one of several dates of rain chances. So between now and the end of the weekend, quarter of an inch to an inch and a half in general, I think there's certainly the possibility we see isolated pockets of more. So it's a two out of five risk today. We have another one out of five risk tomorrow and again on Saturday. I think all three days, Hill Country, you're going to have the higher chance, relatively speaking to everybody else, when it comes to seeing an isolated severe storm. But I want everybody to be prepared with the kicks and weather app. That way we have a way to connect with you in the afternoon and evening when those storms are more likely. Temperatures in the mid-80s today, look at the 90s, taking over for the later part of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and those Isolated storm chances will take us all the way into the middle of next week. Okay, Kristen, thank you. Uh, there is a bill aimed at criminalizing the tampering of ankle monitors, and it's headed over to Governor Greg Abbott's desk for him to sign it. A deadly shooting at a Dallas hospital just last year sparked that legislation. The shooter cut off his ankle monitor prior to opening fire inside of that building. If the bill is signed into law, which it's expected to be, those who remove ankle monitors will face a now felony charge. Right now, it's just an administrative violation. It's not a criminal offense.
This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Texas 10 is hosting NCAA regionals, both the men and the women, beginning tomorrow with the women. And for sophomore Sabina Zainalova, well, this is a very difficult time. Trying to help Texas to a third straight national title would be her second. At the same time, well, she wears that ribbon you can see right there for her home country of Ukraine, where she says her family is under constant attack. Ukrainians have a very long history of fighting for their freedom and their values. And I think that's one of the things that keeps me going and keeps me motivating. Um, and there's always some, something more to fight for other than just winning a tennis match. Just the idea that she's able to have that distress, put it in a healthy sort of a container, so to speak, um, put it to the side and then show up as a tennis champion and then also as a great student, by the way, as a stellar ac academic student, um, is really um, remarkable. Um, she's tough, that's for sure. Like the women, the men open with AM Corpus Christi. That's on Saturday. Longhorns, well, thrilled to be at home and also ready for the challenge of playing as the number one overall seed in the entire NCAA tournament. That's pretty cool. We're excited. Um, it's. I wouldn't say it's any expectations or anything. It's just uh, we've had a, a tremendous season. We have a lot of depth with our wins, uh, and so I just think that uh, gives us a lot of confidence going into it. Um, and I think we, we believe we should be one uh, because of the season we have. We've had won a lot of matches this year, but there are a lot of them that have been close. So there are several teams out there that can beat us, but we have confidence that we can win any match we play. But we know we, we got uh, there's, there's a lot of work to be done before we talk about that. So the women tomorrow and then Saturday if they win, the men Saturday and Sunday if they advance out of the first round. Texas baseball team back on the road today for a weekend series beginning with Kansas on Friday up in Lawrence. Back to you. Elena Chuni with Carbon 180. Tell me a little bit about the organization. What is Carbon 180? Carbon 180 is a climate nonprofit on a mission to reverse two centuries of carbon emissions. So working closely with policymakers, entrepreneurs, and peer organizations, we design policies that will bring necessary carbon removal solutions to gigaton scale in an equitable and just way. Carbon removal is when carbon dioxide is taken from the atmosphere and stored for a long period of time. So two things must occur. We must take or remove carbon from the atmosphere. And then the second is it must be stored for a long period of time. Sometimes there's a bit of confusion between carbon capture and carbon removal. And in our case, carbon capture is the scrubbing. So it's looking at existing facilities and seeing how we can limit the current emissions coming out while carbon removal is actually pulling what we currently have in the atmosphere. What, what can someone at home watching this, what can they do? For all of the viewers at home, I would just encourage them to do research on what carbon removal is. And I would also encourage them to get in contact with their local organizations to see if, you know, this is even something that's being talked about. Because one thing that's interesting about, you know, the carbon removal field is that this is a great opportunity for both the public and the private sector to work together to begin scaling carbon removal solutions where we can not only change, you know, what 
the IPCC is saying about the state of the earth, but we're also providing benefits for communities who have for so long been locked out of, you know, conversations or haven't had a voice in saying what is right for their community. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you. 